0: Welcome to the chalkboard, my fellow football nerds for episode number one thirty six of chalk Talk. I'm your host Shane half and you can follow me on Twitter and YouTube at Shane half NFL. I'm joined today by the best co-host in the game. You've heard him on the tough cover radio show. it is Mark Henry Jr. Give him a follow on Twitter at Mark Henry Jr. underscore. Mark. Happy New Year buddy. how are you doing? Happy New Year Shane. I just tweeted it out.
1: I have nothing but negativity, self-hatred, and despair left when it comes to talking about my Philadelphia Eagles. So tune in to hear my thoughts. <laughs> like, it's it, I am broken uh, as a sports fan. Um, these are the times where it's nice to have uh, other interests, you know, movies, watching a ton of movies lately since since Christmas. You uh, went to Atlantic city this weekend. That was fun, but man football. And you know, I, I went with non sports interests. Now are the times where I, I do not pity Shane or I, I do pity Shane. I don't know if I'm using that correctly for, uh, for not having interest in the other sports, because if I didn't have the Sixers right now, I don't know what I'd be doing. And here, I guess here's my weekly plea to Shane half as the Oklahoma city thunder playing the Boston Celtics are on my TV. The thunder are fun. Shane, you need to, you need to get back in. You need to hop in on the thunder.
0: Yeah, they're, they're definitely good. And they're, they're a fun team. Everybody, of course I'm in Oklahoma. For those of you that may not know that I used to be a big thunder fan until Kevin Durant broke my spirit about the NFL, which by the way, uh, shout out to AJ Brown for putting, kevin durant on my timeline this week i really didn't appreciate that but um, do you know the new kevin durant news no he's annoyed in phoenix and
1: uh they, they don't have any resources to get better and he's thinking about you know how he can get out <laughs> he just yeah
0: got there where, where whoever whoever the number one seed is that's who he'll end up with next year whoever wins yeah. the title he can go sign with them again yeah. but Yeah. uh, See, this is the time of year that just makes me really glad we have this podcast that covers the whole NFL versus because the only Eagles shows are real tough right now. I'm excited to talk about some of these other games, maybe not so much the Eagles, but we will persevere. We're going to press on uh, and we will start like we normally do with the Eagles game before we throw it around the entire NFL. We'll talk about every game. Uh, if you are listening or watching later, that will be time-stamped down at the bottom. You can jump to specific games that you want to hear about. Um, we're going to glaze over some games this week. We'll mention them all, but some of them just aren't super relevant as we find ourselves in a closing playoff picture. Um, also, we didn't have a show last week craziness with travel. Uh, and so we're bouncing back here. We're not going to try to cover two weeks at once. So week 16, it just never happened. Uh, we're on to week 17. So Let's go ahead and start with those Philadelphia Eagles losing to the Arizona Cardinals, 35 to 31. Uh, In this game, uh, Arizona scored a touchdown, a 70-plus yard touchdown drive on all four of their possessions in the second half. In fact, every possession of the game, they drove inside the Eagles' 25-yard line. Uh, Since Kyler Murray returned from injury, so we're excluding, you know, the pastronaut and all the things they rolled out early in the season. Since Kyler returned from injury, Arizona has a success rate of 40.3% offensively. They had a success rate of 59.2% against the Eagles per Benjamin Solak. That is the worst game in the last 17 years for the Eagles defensively. Mark, I tweeted this out between October 24th, 2021 and this game, Kyler had one game where he threw three touchdown passes and then he threw three in the second half of this game uh, as the Eagles blew a 21-6 lead at home to a team with a top five pick with the division on the line. Uh, Mark, your thoughts? Yeah, uh, it, it's, it's an embarrassment.
1: Um, it's the type of loss that takes you from a team that was 10 and 1 tw- 28 days ago, 28 days ago, as of Sunday, it's probably, it's, I guess, it's 30 days ago now. This team was 10 and 1. Jalen Hurts was the MB- MVP favorite. They had a top seven offense. They had a top seven defense. They were the number one run, run defense. They had the number one title odds to win the Super Bowl. And now we're talking about if Nick Sirianni should be fired. And that's going to be the conversation that you know, we're going to have to have, I almost think like, you know, we, we can have the conversation now. And I, we, we did off air. It almost, it's going to change based on this week and based on the NFC South, you know, play in invitational game, Um, come playoff time. I think, our opinions on Sirianni might change between now and then the situation might change between now and then. So it's not even that worth it to have a whole, you know, dissertation on whether or not he should keep his job. But the fact that we're talking about the winningest coach in Eagles history, a guy who's coached three years and has made the playoffs all three years, won a division last year, made it to the Super Bowl, Um, you know, with everything that's happened this year, he's 11 and five. And we're talking about if he should be fired. I mean, that's how catastrophic, The last month has been, uh, that's how catastrophic the last, uh, you know, it's just, I don't ever remember a team just rolling over and changing their identity and dying in the way that this football team has, uh, there's never been a 10 and one team that's lost four of their next five games. It's good to make history, I guess. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a shame. I don't have much to say. I don't have much intelligence to say. Uh, I just, the one thing it, it comes, you know, I, I can already tell I'm going to be defending Howie and Jalen all off season. Um, there are problems with the way that Howie allocates to certain positions. I've been, I think more, you know, vocal about that than a lot of people for a long time. I, I've talked about my problem with how he values safety i talked about it at the cornerback position. Shane, do you know the last time that the Eagles have taken a defensive back in the first two rounds of the draft? In the first two rounds? It'd be Sidney Jones, right? Sidney Jones in 2017. Do you know the last time that they took a defensive back in the first round? Uh, I do not. It is Lido Shepard in 2002. So I think a lot of people love to talk about linebacker and I think that's the sexy conversation right now because the organizational id for so long has been that that position doesn't matter. It's replaceable. Um, And I think you're seeing a lot of the problems with that, obviously, but I actually think the bigger problem is how the secondary is handled on a year to year basis And it seems like every four years, it's like election cycles, every four years or so we have a year where things fall apart and the secondary is a joke. And it's usually because Howie is too trusting of aging veterans at the position. And that's what's happening right now. Darius Slay hurt at the end of the season when his team needs him the most. James Bradbury, trash, burnt toast, Keely Ringo, didn't use him probably early enough in the season. Now he's developing and he had a terrible game at the worst time. And it's, it's just, it's a catastrophic secondary that I think is making the other problems on the defense, much more evident. Um, And again, everyone wants to talk about linebacker, but how many first round picks have we spent on the defensive line? How much money are we spending on the defensive line right now? And the lack of pressure, the lack of run stuffing, it's pathetic. And, you know, I'm going to be defending Howie. I still think ultimately you judge him on a transaction-by-transaction basis. You judge him against the rest of the NFL. I think he's mostly doing a fantastic job. But there's definitely a couple instances where you can point out a gross misallocation of resources.
0: Yeah. Um, who are the two best teams in the NFL right now, Mark? San Fran and Baltimore who are the linebackers for San Francisco and Baltimore? Yeah. You know, to be clear, I'm not saying that you should, I, I generally think the, the allocation is correct. Like you have to make cuts somewhere. Linebacker was as good of a place as any when Jim Schwartz was running your defense and you were committed to being plus one in the box. But yeah, if you're going to be so emphatic, too high safety, Vic Fangio type scheme, Uh, playing neutral or light boxes, all of a sudden linebacker matters a lot more. And the Eagles just don't have any. Now, Zach Cunningham, not playing. He was a street-free agent. And yeah, yeah, he's played better than expected, but you got to quit trying to duct tape this thing together. And yes, N'Kobe Dean's been hurt, and you thought he was going to be a guy, but he was a third-round pick. The last time the Eagles spent a day, a first or second-round pick on a linebacker, if you don't count Marcus Smith, who I would say was an edge rusher. yeah, It's Michael Kendricks in 2012. And I'm not saying that you need to spend a first round pick on one or give one a huge uh, contract. I'm saying a TJ Edwards yeah. would make a world of difference yes. on this defense. And you can find those guys without breaking the bank. Hats off. <laughs> it- if, hats off. If you draft a Fred Warner or a Roquan Smith and they turn out to be studs, uh, but you you've got to do something the spine of the defense is pitiful and you can't you could draft a first round defensive tackle each of the next 2 years and have four guys that you drafted with first round picks all on rookie contracts at the end of the day if if you do not have anyone that's competent at linebacker you're going to have a problem you're going to have a major problem
1: yeah, I mean, you mentioned you have to find a T.J. Edwards. You know who would have been great uh, to fill in as a, into a T.J. Edwards role on a reasonable three-year contract?
0: T.J. Edwards?
1: T.J. Edwards <laughs> would, have, would have been a really good fit in that spot. Uh, yeah, it's a shame that they – that's really my problem. You, you, they chose the wrong veterans to bring back with, with Slay and Bradbury and Cox and Graham uh, and Avante. You, you, and I love Avante Maddox more than anybody. But they've relied on Avante Maddox for far too long when he can't stay healthy. Um and, and he's been like an X Factor
0: for this team. And you miss him and you immediately notice it. But I mean, even it is, he came back and he was bad. By the way, it is wild that Avante Maddox would come back from what you thought was a season ending injury, and in his first game back, you deactivate the guy that's been playing slot corner for you. And then, I mean, Maddox was bad in this game. Like, Mm -hmm. you could have had Roby on the field. You could have eased Maddox back in. But instead, you used that roster spot for Rashad Penny, who took zero snaps. Like, (laughs) that was just egregious as well. Yeah,
1: no, there's a lot of decisions like that that are up in the air. Um, You know, the Jalen conversation, I think, is just... If anyone wants to have a conversation about, like, you know... Jalen Hurts and the regression. Take a look at his stats from year to year. It's basically the exact same thing, just with a couple more picks. Yeah, that's all it that is. He's had bad luck with picks. He's thrown a couple picks at the end of the game. He threw a Hail Mary pick this time. He has three picks, which you can directly attribute to Dallas Goddard, um, either slipping, dropping the ball, or going through his hands literally three times this year. Um, th- one weird note, and this isn't like a thing I want to have a long conversation on, Devontae Smith has regressed like some of these, some of these plays that I think he would have made 10 times out of 10 in years past. uh, He's not making, um, I don't think that he's getting the same level of separation that he got in years past. And yeah, of course some of that's probably on the route tree that he's running and I'm sure that it has something to do with play calling, but I don't really feel like Devontae Smith is the top 12 receiver that I came into the
0: year feeling like he was. Yeah. Uh Before I s- talk about that, I just want to mention the Jalen Hurts thing. Jalen Hurts had 0.39 EPA per play in this game. Yeah. He had a completion percentage over expectation of 17.7%. Y- you know what quarterback has an EPA per play of 0.39 this season? Lamar. None of them. Oh, uh, yeah. Nobody. And-, and obviously, it's a season-long number, but even the season-long numbers – Jalen is right there. He's number five behind Brock Purdy, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, and Tua. Like, I, I think there's some there's some issues I have, and I think most of them are schematic. I think most of them are coaching points. I think there, there's things Jalen needs to improve on, but I don't think that's the majority of what the conversation needs to be about, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I, I just think any conversation that's being had about Jalen Hurts right now, and is he the guy, and You know, does paying him make everything else not work? It's just like they have they chose to allocate the resources incorrectly. They had resources to allocate. They they chose to bring back Cox, Slay, Bradbury, and Graham. I mean, how much is that combined? That's a big number right there. That's 50 million probably between those four guys. Um, yeah, you obviously use the 30th pick on an edge rusher who you don't play in Nolan Smith. He used the 13th pick the year before on Jordan Davis and a guy who Brian Baldinger, who's very close with the Eagles front office and organization. Um, That's like really good friends with Lane Johnson. Spends a lot of time in the off season with Lane Johnson. Brian Baldinger came out and ripped Jordan Davis. And I'm, I'll just tell you, Brian Baldinger is not coming out and saying the stuff he, does, he said about Jordan Davis without having inside knowledge um, into the, into the Eagles situation there about Jordan Davis from lane or from the organization um it's just these these couple decisions have all come to roost all at the same time um, and everything is happening at the same time on defense and in my opinion yeah there's annoying things about the play calling obviously nobody on the planet was happy with how first and 22nd and 20 and third and 20 played out with qb draws and then a screen but the offense has been unquestionably top seven Jalen Hurts has been unquestionably a top seven QB this year. Any conversation about the offense right now feels like wasted breath when the offense is a top seven offense and the defense is not even close to average, not even close to average. Um, So I understand, like, yeah, we can criticize. We can pick it apart. We can say that, you know, once you pay him, he needs to be a top three quarterback. And with with our offensive talent, we should always have a top three offense. That's just not the way the uh, the NFL is going to be year to year, in my opinion. Um, and obviously some of that's with this play calling, some of that's with Steichen, some of that's with Brian Johnson. But the defense is the problem. And if the defense was average, we wouldn't be having any of the conversations we we're having to have about the offense.
0: Yeah, yeah. That that's. I mean, that's absolutely right. The defense has just been atrocious. They've made the wrong decisions. When it, like you said, when it comes to who to commit to and how to allocate draft capital, and there's not an easy solution on the defense. The talent's not there, and they're going to have to rebuild that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you build around, you keep Reddick, you build around, you you keep Sweat, obviously Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis. You're not getting rid of, but we'll see if Jordan Davis, you know, develops. I don't think I think we know what he is, and, and hopefully. You can put linebackers behind him and those guys around him will help. You're hoping Nolan Smith develops into an edge rusher. And then in my opinion, you don't have a single player on your defense, linebacker or secondary-wise, besides I shouldn't Keely Ringo. But I mean he was terrible in this game. I will just say Keely Ringo was so bad against Arizona. But besides Keely Ringo, do you have another like keeper? I guess Sidney Brown. Like yeah. I don't, I don't know. Is if he's is he a starter long term?
0: Yeah, I mean, for I a third know. round pick, you could do a lot worse than having that guy as a box safety. Even yeah. if that's all, even if all he ever is is a box, uh, a hybrid box safety and a special teamer. Like that's still a valuable role to have, especially for a third round pick.
1: Yeah, and and you you know Blankenship might be average. It's just there is. Just a shockingly low amount of guys outside of the D line who I really care or not if they're on the defense going forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, well, let's get out of this headspace and let's talk about the rest of the league. Uh, let's kick it over to the Thursday night game uh, where the Cleveland Browns beat the New York Jets. They officially clinched a playoff uh, spot as Joe Flacco threw for 309 yards and three touchdowns with one interception. And I'm sure you saw this, Mark, but he also fell asleep on the sideline. Uh, so you know, you get in your upper 30s, they're keeping <laughs> you up late on a Thursday night for a primetime game over there, rubbing his eyes. I-, I vibe with that, especially you know being sick right now. If I start nodding off during the podcast, Mark, you got to bring us home. But uh, that was me last night during Texas Washington in the second yeah. half. That was me. Yeah. There you go. So the Browns will officially go to the playoffs. Uh, David Njoku hauled in six catches for 134 yards in this one. I'm not interested in talking about the Jets. We'll do that next week when we go into fixing your franchise. But uh, any takes about the Browns or anything from this game you want to throw out there?
1: Honestly, not much. Uh, This is not really a a strong take, but Browns. it's looking like it's going to be Browns-Jags. The Browns are going to be favored in that game. Everyone in the world is going to pick Cleveland to win that game and expect Cleveland to win that game. All I'm saying is, Jackson, watch out. I I feel like I'm pretty good at this generally. The first-round upsets, the first-round matchups um, in the NFL, I feel like I do really well gambling on wildcard weekend every year. I think the Jags, there's way too many people just like, crapping all over the Jags and I understand the reasons why like I'm frustrated as anybody I I think the Jags are going to be a nightmare matchup for Cleveland in round one outside of Cleveland and I know Cleveland beat Jacksonville and everyone's going to say that Jacksonville kind of came back in that game after being down by like three touchdowns and almost won it and that was while Trevor had a really bad game coming off of a really bad injury and that game was in Cleveland so uh, I actually I, I feel very strongly that the Jags are going to be a home dog in that game and I'm going to be betting on Jacksonville. So that's not a recap of this game, but I'm already in the headspace of like thinking about wild card weekend and what that's going to look like. So I've been thinking about that a lot.
0: All right. Sorry. So there, Cleveland. You, there you have it. Sorry, Cleveland. So let's roll on to Saturday Night Football uh, where Dallas beat Detroit 20 to 19. And this game is tough to talk about because I don't like to talk about officiating, but there's no other, like this game was a travesty of officiating the, the lions March 70. If you guys haven't seen it, the lions March 75 yards down the field to score a touchdown. They elected to go for two in the win, and the play was flagged incorrectly. Now this wasn't like a, Oh, they, they called a holding and it probably shouldn't have been a holding. This wasn't a judgment call during a play. Those things happen. This was a procedural thing because uh, the left tackle reports as eligible to the or to the official. And then he was flagged as ineligible touching when he catches it. And he's the official said after the game that Dan Skipper, who comes in off the sideline reported, but the replay clearly shows he never even made it to the official. How could he have reported if he wasn't there? Like it's just a travesty. Um, After the game, Dan Campbell even said he walked the officials through this play before the game. Uh, Now, this doesn't excuse Campbell going full tilt after that and and going for it from the seven-yard line. Dan Campbell, in his hubris, in his rage, he failed his team because you kick that extra point and you take it to overtime. Micah Parsons jumped off sides, and so it gets half the distance to the goal. And so now from the four-yard line, he decided to go for it again. Like he had a reprieve. They didn't get it. So it was terrible by Dan Campbell to continue to go for it. But the Lions should have won this game on that two point conversion. It was perfectly executed. It wasn't the only bad call. Uh, A tripping penalty was assessed on the Cowboys on the possession prior when it should have been on the lions. Just egregious stuff. And by the way, Jared Goff after the game basically insinuated he didn't want to talk about it at all because he didn't want to get fined. Uh, Meanwhile, the official who totally botched this thing and then lied about it after the game about what happened. By the way, he's reffing a game in primetime this week because there's no accountability for officials whatsoever. What game is he reffing? The Raven Steelers.
1: Wow, that's interesting.
0: Which is a win and end game for the Steelers. Although Baltimore's clinched the one seed, they probably won't play anybody. But no, no, this was the wrong call. No apology, no meaningless apology, just sweep it under the rug and put this guy's crew back out there again. So uh, that's just atrocious. Um, Your thoughts on any of that? It's so it's funny. I think you'll be shocked that I don't have
1: as hardcore of an opinion as most on this actually. Um, Yeah. The ref screwed up. I'm not going to go full victim blaming here. I- I'm not going to do that, but the narrative that's out there where the people on the other side of this would say that that's a play kind of, if you're sending multiple offensive linemen over to the ref, which it, it seems like that was part of the plan at a certain point, the levels of trickeration, you're, you're playing a dangerous game. There is an argument to be heard about that. I think that like, if you're relying on the fact that you're sending multiple offensive linemen over there to try to trick Dallas, then you shouldn't have the faith in the officials that you won't trick them either, I guess. So um, I feel a little weird about it. I I obviously, you know me, I'm more, I'm willing to, 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 you know, crap on an official all day long. I, I, I am not, I don't mince words when it comes to officiating but it does feel like a, a little bit of a dangerous game to play and, and in a really important situation. The, the situation. Um, it, it feels like a really, really dangerous call and a really dangerous game to play. And then, like you said, I think him going for it from the seven um, was psychotic. You were just pot committed and you wanted to look like a tough guy and you I, to shove it down their face. Like
0: I had to like double check and make sure that like, you were allowed to still kick of the extra point. Like if you go for two hundred, yeah, yeah. Are you committed to going for two? Like I had to go double check that because I was like, that's the only explanation I could think of.
1: Is there is there any validity to what I brought up though about maybe you shouldn't be sending multiple O linemen over there if you if the goal of that is to try to trick Dallas? Like, it's a little bit of a dangerous. And then the whole. I I, I'll I'm stealing this from Bill Simmons who had a Cowboys fan on his podcast to talk about it. So it's a little biased, Um, but they were, they were discussing it. And at a certain point with the Dan Campbell saying he talked to the ref about it before the game. So is the ref supposed to like stand there and act like the person who's not reporting is reporting to trick Dallas? Like there is a level of like weirdness to that,
0: that I don't think is, no. I mean, I think it's just making sure, like, I don't know, I I likened it to when I coach basketball and, you know, we are in an end of game situation in a tournament and we had, we drew up a play out of a timeout where you have the whole, like the one guy, the inbounder is on the baseline and you had a guy run out of bounds and pass it to him. So mm-hmm. he's the inbounder now. And like, I told the official like out of the timeout, like, so you don't know, you never know high school basketball. You might have an official like whistle that and that's more common than what's going on here. Like this is an unheard of thing, but yeah. I just I told them. So they're aware of what's going on. I don't want you to get tricked by what's supposed to be a trick play. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I just think it, that's it's it's a trap. And the, the thing that's the worst is like this was an epic game. Yeah, it was an epic game that I was loving watching and then afterwards it's like all we can do is talk about the officiating and that just sucks well if they can win the stafford bowl you'll see it again that's true that's true uh on the actual game portion uh cd lamb had 13 catches for 227 yards which is insane uh he became the cowboys single season record holder in both receptions and yards breaking michael irvin's marks and so Throwing it forward to week 18, Dallas clinches their division and the two seed with a win over Washington next week. Uh, Detroit has already clinched their division. They need a win and a Dallas and an Eagles loss to get the two seed. Otherwise they will have the three seed. So that's where, that's where we're at for the playoffs. We are
1: on a collision course for Matt Stafford coming to Detroit. Yes.
0: All right, let's get into the Sunday games. Uh, Miami at Baltimore. Baltimore. Uh, The Ravens made a statement a week ago, beating the 49ers 33 to 19. Uh, This week, they protected the one seed by dismantling the Dolphins 56 to 19. Lamar Jackson had an EPA per play of 0.95 for comparison. The gap this week between him and number two, which is Brock Purdy is the same as the gap between Purdy and Taylor Heineke down at 23. Uh, Lamar was 18 of 21 for 321 yards and five touchdowns. He moved into a tie for the most games with a perfect passer rating in NFL history with three. Uh, He is tied with Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Kurt Warner, and Ben Roethlisberger, who all, by the way, are no longer playing. Uh, Lamar will own this record single-handedly at some point in his career. Miami started strong in this game. They went on an eight play, 75 yard touchdown drive to open the game, but they could not keep up as the game went along. Uh, And then, unfortunately for Miami, disaster strikes with a couple minutes left in the game down by 30 when Bradley Chubb uh, comes up with an injury that turns out to be an ACL. So they had already lost Jalen Phillips. Uh, Really poor decision by Mike McDaniel to keep Bradley Chubb in a game in this situation. And now the Dolphins will enter the playoffs. Down their top two edge rushers, and I don't think there's any bouncing back from that. Honestly, that Miami clinches the two seed with a win versus Buffalo. Uh, with a loss, they would lose the division entirely. So a lot on the line for the Dolphins, who are suddenly reeling going into Week 18.
1: Yeah, it, it feels like the season's over for Miami with those Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb losses. Um, it, I will say they played this game without Waddle and Waddle and Mostert. Um, So that definitely hurt their offense's ability to keep up, but they don't play defense. So uh, it was, this was a sobering game for the Miami dolphins. I thought that they would compete in this game. I was dead wrong. Um, It, so yeah, I mean this game against Buffalo becomes pretty massive when you're saying the implications are either you're the two seed and you're playing Indy or Houston or, you know, Pittsburgh at home or you are the six seed going to Kansas City. That is pretty massively different stuff there for Miami, but those are the only two outcomes um, that are even possible for Miami, if I'm not mistaken, um, because Kansas City is locked into the three and Cleveland's locked into the five. Yeah. So I, I think Miami can only be the two or the six. Yeah, that's wild. And then the Buffalo stuff is even more wild. We'll get to that.
0: Yeah, well, we'll get to it right now because that's the next game on the deal. Uh, Buffalo beats New England 27-21. They struggled offensively in this one out of the gate. Josh Allen completed only two of his first 11 passes. Uh, There were drops. There were misfires. Um, The Patriots played a lot of man coverage, and it really caused issues for the Bills' passing attack. But the Patriots turned the ball over four times in the first half, and one of the big players that was involved in that was Rasul Douglas. The Rasul Douglas trade for Buffalo might be the move that changed the season more than an offensive coordinator change. They got Rasul Douglas in a fifth-round pick for a third-rounder from Green Bay, who, by the way, is is also contending for the playoffs. He helped force one interception. He intercepted two more, including a pick six. Buffalo uh, wins this one. Now they are in a huge game against Miami in Week 18. Not only do they win the division and get the two seed if they win, if they lose, they would need a uh, Pittsburgh loss against Baltimore and a Jacksonville loss against Tennessee to get into the playoffs. So it's very much for Buffalo: win and you're the two seed; lose, and there's like an eighty percent chance you're missing the playoffs entirely, which is just a wild swing in playoff leverage going into Week 18. Yeah, it's
1: do or die, and I think we all know what's going to happen. Buffalo's winning this game against Miami. Buffalo's getting the two seed, and I, I'm pr- proud to announce that today I placed a bet on the Bills to win their win the AFC at plus 430 and to win the Super Bowl at plus 900. So I am a Bills fan for the rest of the way here, I guess, um, which is shocking because uh, I'm a Dolph, I, I'm a TUA guy. I'm a Lamar guy. I would like to see one of those guys win, but I think the value of getting Buffalo as a two seed, knowing that they can't face the Ravens until the AFC Championship, knowing that uh, you know you get a pretty easy matchup in round one if you're the, if you're Buffalo, uh, you're going to face Indy, Houston, or Pittsburgh. They're going to be a touchdown or more favorite against any of those teams. Um, they will make it to the second round, and then you're basically. I think that they will be. Kansas city or Miami or whoever it is. So I think Buffalo is a really smart bet right now. If you're looking at the future market.
0: All right. Uh, Let's go to a comment here on YouTube. Thomas asks, are the dolphins defensive struggles primarily caused by personnel or coaching? Uh, I, I, yeah, I think it's personnel. I mean, losing Jalen Phillips, now losing Bradley Chubb. Like there were points in time this season that their defense looked pretty good. And I mean, Vic Fangio, regardless of what you think of the Fangio system, nobody runs it better than Fangio. Um, They also had, you know, Jalen Ramsey missed a significant portion of the year. So uh, I think generally the Dolphins defense has struggled. Uh, Well, this one just snowballed, and that tends to happen. You know, these games can get out of hand, especially when you're such a sling the ball around the yard team like the Dolphins are. Things can really snowball on you. So I don't think this is an indictment of their coaching. I think it's just... So many injuries at this point.
1: Yeah, I'd say if if I was going to criticize Fangio, I'd say I don't think he's like raised the level of the talent of the deep. Like, I think the talent on the defense is average. The defense has been average. It's not like it's been terrible. Like, obviously this game was terrible, but the defense is average. I think the talent's average. So he hasn't coached them above their head. So that's a negative, if you want to say that. But you know, outside of that, I find too hard to blame too much on them yeah
0: all right let's keep it rolling here let's go to chicago where the bears beat the falcons 37 to 17 mark justin fields is going to make things difficult for the bears this (laughs) offseason he's playing very well they've won five of their last seven with their only two losses coming to the lions in a meltdown and to the browns both of which are playoff teams The Bears also clinched the number one pick by virtue of the Panthers loss. Um, And we we will fix their franchise next week so we can delay that discussion another week. But uh, he's definitely making things interesting. Uh, Atlanta got a 75-yard touchdown from a Tyler Algier catch that was their only first half points. They did not move the football. Uh, Taylor Heineke threw three interceptions inside his own 40-yard line before he was replaced by Desmond Ritter, who also threw a pick. Never a good thing once you start going back and forth between quarterbacks the way the Patriots or the Falcons have done this season. Uh, DJ Moore had 159 yards and a touchdown in this one. Uh, He has hit 1,300 yards for the first time in his career. Uh, He is fifth place all time for most yards in a season for a bear. Uh, He needs 208 yards to break the all-time record for the Bears set by Brandon Marshall. So if he could have a 208-yard game, Uh, he could set that record in week 18, which would be pretty cool. Um, As far as playoff implications, Atlanta needs to beat New Orleans, and then they need Carolina to beat Tampa Bay next weekend, and they would win the division, which is exceedingly unlikely. Uh, Unfortunately for the Bears, their thin playoff hopes were squashed when the Sunday night football game did not end in a tie. So the (laughs) Bears will not be in the postseason. Uh, The Falcons probably won't either, but they do at least have a shot.
1: The Bears are better than the Eagles right now,
0: but by, by a, a long shot. The Bears are
1: one of the best teams in football. How, how they've played lately five and two over the last seven weeks. But I want it known. I like Justin Fields. I want him to get a chance elsewhere. I think every everyone involved should want Justin Fields to get traded, and the Bears should still trade Justin Fields. They should make the pick at number one. Get Caleb Williams. Get the most possible value you can for Justin Fields, and I. They need to fire. They need to fire Eberflus, which they're not going to do, especially with how they've played as of late. But I think that they still have to. You can't risk Caleb Williams becoming an absolute superstar phenom while having to make a decision about Justin Fields' contract a year from now. So I just. I think you. I know the decision. It looks sexy right now to. Trade down, get Marvin Harrison, get another pick at 10 or wherever they're at with their second pick. You you roll with Fields. But I I think you have to
0: go get Caleb Williams. That's next week, Mark. That's fixing your franchise. We're not there yet.
1: It's going to be interesting to see where you land on that.
0: What do you think? Real quickly, and we're moving on. What's realistic trade compensation for Justin Fields in your mind?
1: A high second. Maybe you throw in a fifth with that second, maybe a fourth. But I don't think you're getting a four at first.
0: Yeah, I've been saying I've been kind of anchoring to a high two and a four.
1: Yeah. that's my
0: thought. So we're in the same ballpark there from Atlanta. Yeah, that's that would be my ideal place for him to land.
1: I think Atlanta makes sense. I think New England
0: makes yeah. sense. Now, Atlanta doesn't have a high a high second, but. Oh, really? Be, well, I mean, they'll be more like mid to late. Season. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, that's, that's fair. Yeah,
0: so, but yeah. Okay, let's roll on here to uh, Houston, where the Houston Texans beat the Tennessee Titans 26 to three. In his return, after missing two games with the concussion, CJ Stroud threw for 213 yards, and the offense pretty much just killed the clock in the fourth quarter. Uh, Will Levis left the game with an injury on a strip sack that was returned for a touchdown so didn't see much from him in this game. Will Anderson notched two sacks on back-to-back plays, no less uh, in route to settling or setting the Texans franchise record for most sacks in a season by a rookie at seven. So for Houston, if they win next week against Indianapolis, they are in, uh, if they win against Indianapolis and then the Jags lose to the Titans, they would be in as a division winner rather than a wild card team. So, Uh, Houston controls their own fate as far as the playoffs, but they do need some help from the Titans team. They just beat uh, to have a shot at the division. Yeah, the the Houston Texans looked like a team that
1: was like, hey, we know we've been weird for a little bit. Stroud was out. We had that weird Jets game, but we're back. We're we're, we're playing better, and they dominated this game from start to finish. Um, Didn't let Tennessee up for air. Uh, Not much to say about it. Domica Ryan's defense was very impressive um, out out there. It didn't matter uh, if Levis was out there, if Tannehill was out there. It felt like it was really extremely hard to move the ball. This is their second time that they shut down Derrick Henry um, in like a month. Uh, But yeah, Houston is, is going to be a really popular bet this week against Indianapolis in what is a playoff game. Mm-hmm. um if houston wins they're in if indy wins they're in <laughs> i am having a hard time with this one I-, I lean indy indy beat houston in houston this game's in indy and has been a lot better at home I-, I just i i'm starting to i'm leaning indy even though i think uh houston's gonna be a pretty popular pick
0: well let's go to indy then uh where the colts beat the raiders 23 to 20 uh, you mentioned the playoff implications, Win win in their end for the Colts against the Texans. They win the division with the Jaguars loss uh, in this game. Jonathan Taylor rushed for 96 yards. He scored a touchdown on the opening drive. Uh, Gardner Minshew was efficient, 15 to 23 for 224 yards and a touchdown. He was only pressured on 24% of his dropbacks. Uh, now they did settle for field goals. On their final three possessions, including two red zone trips, it, but it was enough, just barely. Uh, the Raiders were offside on a missed field goal on the Colts' final possession, but they hit the second attempt to push the lead from seven to ten. And then the Raiders scored a touchdown, but failed to recover the onside kick. So this would have been that would have been a game tying thing with very little time left. It would have been an overtime. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. became the first Colts player to top 100 receptions since Reggie Wayne did it in 2012. Josh Downs, guy that we liked in the draft, tied the Colts rookie record with 65 receptions. Uh, So getting some good things out of the skill position players. This is a team that I could see being really good next year if Anthony Richardson comes back and is able to spark this offense.
1: Yeah, there's kind of a glass half full, glass half empty view of this game um, glass half empty, the Raiders punted four times in, in, in territory. So maybe if, if the Raiders were a little bit more aggressive, um, they were be, they were able to move the ball. Um, they probably should have scored more than 20 points. Um, so that's glass half empty glass half full. You scored 23 points and that might not sound like a lot, but the Raiders over the last month or two have been a dominant defense in a way that nobody else has in the NFL this year. I mean, it was a pretty incredible stretch that Antonio Pierce was campaigning on to keep his job. Um, and Indy, you know, 350 total yards, not a, not an incredible game. They didn't light the world on fire, but they did enough to score 23 points, and they did enough to win the game. Um, Indy is going to be a really interesting kind of team if they're able to make, like you said, if they're able to kind of strengthen this defense this offseason – Next year, they could be a real contender if Anthony Richardson's ready, and it's it'll be interesting. Minshew will probably have some opportunities to start, or at least be like a maybe a platoon guy with a rookie or whatever the case may be. It might even just be best for Minshew if and and best for Indy if Indy pays him almost like a starter with Richardson as a as a rookie. You're not paying Richardson QB money. So you should almost pay Minshew like $15 million to be your backup. You saw how valuable it was this year. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. And then with, uh, with one, one last thing, Michael Pittman's a guy who neither of us – I don't think either of us would claim to be huge Michael Pittman fans. Um, I don't think he was a guy that either of us loved him when he was a draft prospect. But you really see his importance um, to this team. And you mentioned kind of the record that that he's setting for the Colts there last week when he was out, the offense scored 10 points against the bad Falcons defense this week. He plays, they scored 23 against a very good Raiders defense, or at least a Raiders defense that's been playing amazing. So uh, Michael Pittman, uh, I think is low, low key. One of the more valuable receivers in the league to their team.
0: Yeah, I could see that. Okay. Let's go on to the other team in this division. Uh, It is the Jacksonville Jaguars who shut out the Carolina Panthers 26 to zero. It was a big game for the Jags. I mean, they were missing Trevor Lawrence and they needed a win. Uh, Fortunately, they faced the Panthers and got it done pretty easily. Uh, Josh Allen set a franchise single season record with 16 and a half sacks after his third sack of Bryce Young in the second quarter. Uh, For the Jags next week, win and they win the division. If they lose, they would need help from the Ravens beating the Steelers and the Ravens have already secured the one seed Uh, and they would need the Raiders to beat the Broncos and they could be the seven seed. So the Jags need to take care of business uh, and they will win this division. That's very interesting. One of the most interesting ones, I guess, up there with the AFC East is probably the most interesting one as we come down to the wire. Yeah, the
1: Jags, uh, no one wants to talk about it, but Josh Allen has 16 and a half sacks. Josh Allen should be a legitimate defensive player of the year candidate. He won't get it. He won't even get votes for second or third because of guys like Parsons, Watt, and especially Miles Garrett. But you could make a legitimate argument that Josh Allen's been the most valuable defensive player in the league. Um, and and I, I think this defense is legitimate. Um, they had a couple of weird games sprinkled in there, a really bad game against, uh, against Tampa, pretty bad games against Cincy and Cleveland, but, Nice nice performance here against Carolina. Carolina offense at least had looked a lot more competent lately. Not this time. This was their worst game of the year. First time the Panthers have been shut out since 2002. And then you go back to that Ravens-Jags game. And that was a game during Sunday Night Football that we were all complaining just about everything about the offenses on both sides. The Ravens were held to 23 points, and they had 10 points with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. This Jags defense held Lamar, who has been really hard to hold, in check um until the very end of the game when the ravens pulled away there um and some of that was due to turnovers anyway so um this is a jags defense that i think that their their c minus d plus performance is really bad the jags defense but if you can get like an a minus performance from the jags defense it's really good it seems like there's a wide range of outcomes but there is a possibility for a shutdown performance from that jags defense
0: yeah all right, let's keep the ball rolling here. Let's go to what was a wild game—the uh, Ray or the Rams at the Giants. The Rams win twenty-six to twenty-five. They got a ton of yards, but they couldn't put the Giants away. Courtesy of miscues, there was an interception, a fumble. Uh, Kyron Williams had an eighty-yard catch and run in this one, but it took a missed two-point conversion by the Giants. So, the Giants scored and went for two for the lead and missed. And the Giants also missed a 54-yard field goal at the end of the game. And so the Rams escape with the win. Uh, Tyrod Taylor played well in this one, including an 80-yard touchdown pass to Darius Slayton in the third quarter. He had a 31-yard scramble to set up the game-winning field goal that was unfortunately missed. I don't know. Giants fans might not actually think that's unfortunate at this point as they want draft positioning. But uh, with that win, the Rams officially clinched a playoff spot Puka Nakua has 1,445 yards, which is the third most ever by a rookie. His 101 catches are second most by a rookie. He would need four catches for 29 yards in week 18 to break both records against the 49ers. So Puka Nakua record watch as the Rams take on the 49ers, who have secured the one seed and may not be playing starters, Uh, although the Rams are locked into the playoffs as well. So I don't know how they'll play that out.
1: Yeah, I mean, anytime you can have back-to-back years where your fifth-round pick is Kyron Williams and then Puka Nakua, um, that's pretty unbelievable. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's really – I don't have much to say here. It was a weird game, not one that you walk out feeling better about the Rams. But I also didn't walk out of this game feeling like, oh, the Rams can't be dangerous in the playoffs. feels like the Rams kind of play up and down to competition. Um, so I still expect the Rams to give the Lions a scare when it comes to the Stafford Bowl.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's keep rolling here. Got a few games left to get through. I'm trying to we'll kind go of to a Tam- little
1: rapid fire. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We'll go to Tampa Bay. New Orleans at Tampa Bay. Uh, New Orleans wins 23-13 on Tampa's first eight drives. The Saints forced four three and outs, uh, two interceptions, and one fumble. The Bucks were down 20 to zero in the fourth quarter before they started moving, but it was too little too late. Derek Carr worked the middle of the field well in this one. Uh, He found tight ends for 133 of his 197 passing yards. Uh, Spinning it forward to next week, New Orleans needs a win over Atlanta and a Tampa Bay loss to Carolina to win the division. Unlikely, but possible. Uh, The Bucs just need to beat the Panthers and they will win the division. There are technically some seven seed scenarios in play for both of these teams, but they are such extreme long shots I'm not going to list it all out, but there's a slight chance.
1: Yeah. I mean, just when you start to think Tampa is a live dog and Tampa is playing really good football, they come out and lay an egg like this. And, you know, Rashad White has been a guy all year that has really impressed me for Tampa. And he's a guy that I never really tabbed as really talented, to be honest. I never really watched Rashad White and I'm blown away by the amount of talent and how, you know, his running style but he's had a really good season. You kind of saw them go back to, you know, being the team that couldn't run the ball from last season. This Bucks game felt like a Tom Brady 2022 Bucs game where he's trying, what he can, but he's having a slow start to the game and they can't run the football. And it was just a dreadful performance from the offense. Shaw White, 11 carries for 42 yards, but he had a 16 yard carry. So the rest of the game, he was 10 for 26 um, they, they just really could not get anything going on the ground. And New Orleans, they did enough. You know, you didn't watch their offense and think, wow, what an amazing performance. But they figured out a way uh to, to get through. What I would say about New Orleans, Kamara had two catches on two targets <laughs> in this game. What's that? Like, why are you not? I mean, Kamara needs more than 12 touches in a game. But, hey, it worked out.
0: Yeah. All right, let's spin forward here to our last game from the early slate. It is the San Francisco 49ers at the Washington Commanders. They win 27 to 10. Uh, Brock Purdy bounced back from his four interception game against Baltimore uh, and led the 49ers two points on five of their first seven drives. He ended the game 22 of 28 for 230 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, He also set a 49ers single season record with 4,280 passing yards as the 49ers clinched the one seed. I was really surprised that's the 49ers' single-season record with Joe Montana, Steve Young, all these guys. That Brock Purdy is the guy that has that record now.
1: Yeah, I mean, Brandon Ayuk has 72 catches for 1,317 yards, seven touchdowns, his yards per attempt is 18.3. Is he the seventh most valuable niner on offense?
0: <laughs> no, it's higher than that.
1: But Purdy, Williams, Debo, McCaffrey, Kittle, what is he sixth? He's the sixth most important.
0: If you if you told me I had to pick Debo or Iuk, I'm taking IU 10 times out of 10. Mm, okay. Debo's probably been a
1: little better than I'm, I'm curious now what Debo's numbers look like. I don't disagree with that. Ayuk's probably more consistent, Debo. Yeah, wow. Uh, Debo, 58 catches, 871 yards, seven touchdowns, only 15 average. Uh, and I'm assuming his rushing stats aren't what they once were because of Christian McCaffrey. He's still, yeah, I guess he has 214 yards, five touchdowns rushing, so that is relevant. But, yeah, maybe I'm undershooting Ayuk there. He just helped me win two fantasy championships, so thank you, Brandon Ayuk.
0: There you go. Uh, Christian McCaffrey did sustain a calf injury in this game in the fourth quarter. Uh, He has two weeks off to get ready for the divisional round as they announced he's not going to play week 18. I also do really appreciate that Christian McCaffrey will end the 2023 season with 2023 all-purpose yards. That's funny. I do really appreciate the symmetry of that. So, uh, Shout out to Christian McCaffrey for not falling a yard further forward when he hurt his calf.
1: Yeah, the the Christian McCaffrey thing is funny. For years, he was a guy who people said you can't take um, high in the fantasy football draft because of his injury history. And now this time, he goes 17 weeks healthy, and then he misses week 18 when all fantasy footballs over for the year. So That's perfect, he did it for all you fantasy owners.
0: <laughs> all right, let's keep rolling into the afternoon slate. Pittsburgh at Seattle. Uh, Pittsburgh wins 30 to 23. Um, This was the second game in a row with Mason Rudolph where the Steelers put up 30 points. Those are the only two 30-plus point performances this season. Uh, Rudolph was 18-24 for 274 yards. Uh, The Steelers have now secured the winning record for Mike Tomlin. That makes 17 straight seasons at or above 500. Uh, He trails Bill Belichick's non-active streak of 19 consecutive winning seasons and Tom Landry's 20 seasons. So it's very possible. Mike Tomlin is going to end up with that record at the end of the day. Um, they do still have a shot at the postseason. season. Um, they would need to beat Baltimore who, again, we talked about, they have already locked up the one seed. They could rest their starters and then they need either the dolphins to beat the bills or the Titans to beat the Jaguars. So, Whichever one of those you think would be more likely, uh, they do have a shot. It's still alive. Uh, meanwhile, for the Seahawks, after beating the Eagles, the Seahawks controlled their own destiny. Now they do not. They surrendered that with this loss. Uh, they face Arizona on Sunday, and they need a win plus a Packers Bears to the a Packers loss to the Bears to get the seven seed.
1: Yeah, I-, I did not watch much of this game, but my my take about this game. is, is about someone who did not play in this game. I'm out Just, on Ken I'm out on Kenny Pickett. Uh, I I had a lot of questions about the Steelers offense and a lot of questions about, you know, the play calling and uh the situation that Kenny was put in. Mason Rudolph looking this good when I don't think Mason Rudolph's particularly talented. Um yeah, Kenny Pickett, I'm sorry, brother. You're not an NFL starting quarterback. I was wrong about you. Uh I, I don't think that he's got whatever it takes. So um, Pittsburgh should be in the market for a quarterback this off season. If they weren't already, I imagine they were um, or Mason Rudolph's The future. I don't know.
0: Kirk cousins is going to look great in Pittsburgh colors next year.
1: I think he's going to be back on the Vikings. I don't know.
0: We'll see. Is That's it, a conversation. I know it's, I know it's boring. Franchise.
1: I know it's boring, but he feels like a Viking forever.
0: Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, don't feel too bad about missing on Kenny Pickett. He made it. Longer than my guy, Malik Willis, did. So (laughs) although my guy, Malik Willis, never even got a chance, I will say. okay, let's roll on to Denver, uh, where the Broncos beat the Chargers 16 to 9. Jarrett Stidham played over Russell Wilson and led them to a victory, which is kind of funny. Unfortunately, the Chiefs went over the Bengals, ended the Broncos' slim hopes of making the playoffs. Both these teams will be on the outside looking in, so I don't really have much to say about this one for this week.
1: Yeah, not, not much to say on my end as
0: well, to be quite honest. All right. Those of you – and listen, if you're a Broncos fan or a Chargers fan or one of these teams that we're not talking about much this uh, week, tune back in next week. Every year, Week 18, we do a Fixing Your Franchise segment for each team that misses the playoffs where we kind of outline their off-season plan. So uh, we will get into that a lot next week. Uh, so don't tune out just because your team's season is almost over. We're going to have you guys covered all the way through. So – now, will, though, let's oh, go ahead. I, I
1: will say um, Russell Wilson, a lot of people are crying for Russell Wilson. A lot of people are criticizing the Broncos front office. That's business, baby. I, I don't have a problem with it at all. Um, if it made it better for them to get off the contract, easier to get off the contract. People are acting like it's unheard of. The Eagles did it with Carson Wentz. They had to get off the contract. Um, it's the only way forward for Denver. I understand that he's been okay he hasn't been the entire problem. I don't think them saying that is them trying to scapegoat him entirely. It's them trying to, you know, plan their best path going forward.
0: Yeah, I'm sure if he waived that injury settlement stuff, they'd put him back out there for the last two weeks. Yeah, yeah. They're they're protecting themselves. So yeah. Okay, on overall. on to Kansas City, where the Chiefs beat the Bengals twenty five to seventeen. Their offensive inconsistencies continued but they did generate enough big plays to win the game and their eighth straight AFC West title. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco had a 35 and a 37-yard rush in the first half. Mahomes had four 20-plus-yard passes. Uh, Drive sputtered, and they kicked six field goals, but it was enough. Uh, Cincinnati went on a long scoring drive on each of their first three possessions, uh, and they held a 17-3 lead at halftime and a 22-minute to 8-minute time of possession lead but the Chiefs were able to overcome it. And with that win, the Chiefs locked themselves into the three seed, no matter what happens next week. And they also eliminated the Bengals from the postseason.
1: Yeah, I like that. This is a really chippy game, by the way. Jamar Chase and LeJarrius Sneed had gotten in a fight, basically. A lot of of skirmishes on the field. This is a fun rivalry. It was just missing a Joe Burrow this time. Uh, It's not quite the same one as Jake Browning. So Chiefs got the got the job done but i don't think anyone thinks anything's
0: fixed. Yeah. All right, and on to the last game of the night. This was Sunday night football. Green Bay blew out Minnesota 33 to 10. Uh Jordan Love threw for 256 yards and three touchdowns despite missing Christian Watson. Christian Watson. Timeout. What?
1: One minute warning
0: or one minute. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'll put my oh yeah, I forgot about those this week. Okay, I'll put myself on the clock.
1: T minus one minute.
0: Okay, so uh Jordan Love had a good game despite missing Christian Watson and Dontavian Wicks. He also lost Jaden Reed for the second half. This was Love's second highest passer rating and third highest completion percentage of the year. Uh, Love also joined Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre as the only Packers QBs to have five or more games of three or more touchdowns with no interceptions in a season. Aaron Jones rushed for 120 yards. It was his second straight 100 yard game of the year. Um, the Packers are a fun team, man. Everything's coming together for them a little bit at the right time. Uh, they can clinch a wild card berth with a win next week at home T-minus versus the 20 Bears. Seconds. Um, Minnesota could still get in, but they need to beat the Lions on the road, and they need the Seahawks, the Saints, and the Packers all to lose, which is unlikely. I love that they went to Jaron Hall after Nick Mullins threw six interceptions in the last two weeks. Then he threw two two picks in the first half, and then went back to Mullins. (laughs) I timed that up about perfectly, didn't
1: I? Yeah, that was good. Yeah, it was good. Minnesota, just a quarterback carousel.
0: Yeah. All right, well, that does it for this week's slate of action. Um, Mark, do you have any final thoughts? Any college football playoff takes that you need to fire out before we get out of here? Um, I'll save most of it for BGN draft. Great
1: college football playoff last night. Uh, Michigan and Washington, or is who who we got in the championship next week? Michigan and Bama played an all-timer. Um, that was fantastic. Uh, you know, Not much to really say, but what I want to say for my final thoughts is actually about Washington and Texas. Michael Penix, in my opinion, is going to be one of the more interesting draft conversations of all time, uh, and you could tell me he ends up going in the top 10. You could tell me he falls to the fourth round. I, I could really believe anything you're going to tell me about him because while being maybe the most accurate college QB I've seen in a long time a- and having the ability to drop balls in a bucket, he is a guy who's going to be 25 next year. He's a guy who had two torn ACLs and he's a guy without much functional athleticism. And he's a guy who had three guys on his team at Washington who are going to get drafted in the first three rounds in the NFL at wider receiver. So there's some people who would point to that and say, maybe he's a bit more of a product of his environment. I don't have an answer for you. I, but I, I will say that last night was the first time I felt like that is Michael Penix a first round pick and can he be a franchise quarterback to be a legitimate conversation because the layered throws the stepping up in the pocket, the timing, he was unbelievable in, in that game. And I, I feel like without some poor coaching decisions, they actually could have put up like 50 plus and won that game going away. Um, But Penix, shockingly shockingly good in, in the biggest of spots there
0: yeah uh, i watched the entirety of that michigan alabama game fantastic ending uh, unfortunately for the bg and draft brand uh you and i both picked alabama to win but i would say an overtime loss yeah, puts it close yeah. enough i uh, i mean for our picks not close enough for them but and then i did i watched the first quarter of the michigan or excuse me, of the Washington Texas game, I'm sick. I went to bed. I watched a bunch of highlights today. It looked like an incredible game, uh, but both of our picks to win the whole thing before it started was Washington, and that's still alive. So I'm really excited to watch that game. I'm I'm more excited for that game than I am really any of the Week 18 NFL games. Uh, I would have been more excited for Bolt or for Buffalo Miami before Miami just got boat raced and lost. Bradley Chubb. I kind of think that's not going to be that good of a game now. So, uh, really excited to watch this one unfold next week, though. So, anyways, there's our little brief draft segment. If you guys are more into college football stuff, go over to the BGN radio feed, check out the BGN draft show. Uh, Mark and I will be recording with Dives tomorrow, I think, at some point to preview the national title game. Then we'll be doing a whole lot of draft shows in the lead up to the draft. Those will be on this feed as well. So, you don't have to be subscribed there to get them, but you can go support our work over there as well. Uh, that's about it on my end. So thank you guys for joining us for episode one thirty six of Chalk Talk. If you enjoy what you heard on the show, and we know that you do, smash that subscribe button and turn on notifications so you don't miss our next episode. Drop us a five star rating uh, wherever you stream your podcast. You can follow me on Twitter and YouTube at Shane Half NFL. You can follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Henry Junior. We will catch you guys next time.